0: You're listening to the Divestopedia Exit Strategy Podcast, where we interview thought leaders on all topics related to middle market M&A. Our goal is to educate entrepreneurs on the process of selling a business, from planning to post-sale and everything in between. Make sure to visit us at Divestopedia.com. To see more of our resources for entrepreneurs who want to sell their business at the best price and terms. And now here's your host, certified financial planner, student, entrepreneur, and private business expert, Josh Patrick.
1: Hey, Mike, how are you today? Glad to have you on our show. Thank you, Josh. I'm great. I hope you're doing well as well. I am. Thanks. So let's start off and talk about what the EOS system is and why somebody might care about that.
2: EOS stands for Entrepreneurial Operating System. And it's just a simple way of operating a fast moving, growth oriented organization. Um, And people might care about it because the vast majority of entrepreneurs and their leadership teams aren't getting everything they want from their businesses. And we feel very strongly that EOS has a set of holistic concepts, and practical tools that'll help most entrepreneurs get what they want from their businesses. There's six pieces to the EOS system, and what are they? Well, we believe that all businesses have six areas, or we call them key components, where when they're strong in that component, all the pieces tend to fall into place. And when there's weakness in that component, things become a little more difficult, challenging, organizations and people get stuck, etc. And those six key components are the vision component, the people component, the data component, the issues component, the process component, and the traction component. And I know we're going to go into a little more depth in each of those areas over the course of the next 20 minutes or so.
1: Yes, we are. So let's start with vision. Why is vision so important?
2: Well, there's never been an entrepreneurial company on the planet without any vision. In most organizations, there's too much vision. Once there's more than one person in a company, we find that even slight differences in people's views about where we're going, how we plan to get there, what's most important this quarter, what we got to save till next quarter, what our core values are, key questions like that Everybody in the organization needs to be 100% on the same page with where we're going, who we are at the core, how we plan to get to where we're going. And so that's why the vision component is so important.
1: So, if somebody is not on the same page with the vision of where the company is going. What should the CEO or owner of the company do about that?
2: Engage in dialogue is the simple answer. Make sure that every member of your leadership team, understands your vision. I'm a visionary entrepreneur myself, and I'm guilty at many points in my career of believing that since the picture of where we're going and how I plan to get there is crystal clear in my head, everybody else in my organization must know and must agree. And so the very simple answer is, get everybody in the room who's a stakeholder, make your vision crystal clear, get your team to align around one vision, Working together with that leadership team, and and those who can't align uh, may not be a great fit for your company.
1: So, would you recommend if they don't align, it's probably best for them to leave the company?
2: Yes, in most cases, there's some turnover on the leadership team of an entrepreneurial company that begins implementing EOS. A little more than seventy percent of the time, we find uh, one or more significant changes are made, but. It doesn't happen immediately, and it's not something to take lightly. You know, the first step is engaging everybody in a healthy dialogue that sometimes is filled with conflict. And by discussing and debating the vision, the core values, the core focus, we can go into more detail about the specific elements of our strategic planning tool. By having those discussions and debates, it's not unusual at all. For the visionary's path to achieving his or her vision to be influenced by the rest of the leadership team. So often the team working together does better work in terms of its ability to execute on the vision than just by having somebody pass that vision on down from high.
1: That makes a lot of sense. You just talked about something. You mentioned a word which is one of the things I really liked about the EOS system, and that's the word tools. Could you talk about how having tools? In a general sense, and then maybe more specifically about your system, why tools are so important as part of getting everybody on the same page and going in the same direction and doing the same stuff?
2: Yes, it's absolutely central to what a company running on EOS needs and gets. And that is simply this. The abstract concepts, the management fads, the silver bullets, the great business thought leadership that's out there in the world is only as good as a leadership team's ability to implement and master those concepts. And without a sem- set of simple practical tools, a roadmap, a hammer, a screwdriver, a wrench, without those tools that help a leader And a leadership team transition from the way they've innately learned to run their own organization to the way they can work together with others to run the next generation of that organization is almost impossible. And so, when Gino Wickman, my co author, my business partner, and my mentor created this system, it was that desire to give simple, practical tools to the average entrepreneurs and the average managers and leaders and supervisors out there uh, that really drove his thinking and is central to our work.
1: So you just mentioned something again, which I think is just crucially important, is sort of the anti-MBA principle, which is simplicity. So what's your experience with people putting in tools that are too complicated versus your very simple tools which work really nicely.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I would say right out of the gate, there are lots of very complicated systems and tools that work beautifully. It's important that your listeners understand our target market and our audience for EOS, and that is entrepreneurial leaders and their leadership teams. And so when we're talking about entrepreneurial companies, we're talking about companies that have 10 to 250 employees, 2 to 50 million in revenue. They're not Necessarily funded by, you know, venture capital firms or private equity firms. They're funded out of somebody's wallet. They're often started in somebody's basement or garage. You know, that's our target market. And for those people, simple and clear, and the shortest distance between two points is a straight line, kind of things tend to work best and be adopted comfortably, not just by the smartest and most well-educated and most experienced people in the organization. But in a rapidly growing company, you need your whole team to get their arms around what you're trying to do. And so we find for that purpose in that target market that simple and practical is better.
1: Well, that's great because tar- your target market is our listener pool. So. Perfect. <laughs> right, that's great. So we're in the same place then. Let's talk about process a bit because, again, this is one of those areas where people often get way more complicated than they need to be. How do you go about processing, you know, one of the things I always tell people, if you want to have a sustainable business, it has to be systematized. And as soon as I say that word, people start cringing and going for the corners. And how do you get past that?
2: Well, I think the first thing is to make sure the leadership team understands that we're not necessarily talking about a 500-page SOP manual with every step in every process in the organization documented and etched in stone and compliance systems put in place to catch when people mistakenly excuse themselves from a meeting to go to the restroom. So, we're talking about a what we call a 2080 approach, which is to say we'd rather document the major steps in the truly core processes of your business. Those things that make you uniquely you, the things that get done every day and are vital to creating the kind of customer and employee experiences that make your organization unique and valuable. We focus on those core processes and we document only the major steps in each of those handful of core processes. And when we say 2080, what we say, if you can document the 20% of the major steps in the process, and get 80% compliance, that takes about 10% of the time that a 500-page SOP manual would would take. That's 100% of the steps and 100% of the processes to get 100% compliance. You just don't get very much ROI on that extra work because those manuals are too hard for people to understand and to follow. And so that's the simple answer to your question is our approach is just keeping it at a high level making sure the steps that can be systemized, that must be replicated over and over and over again, get written down and made as simple as possible. And the nuance and the one-off and the ad hoc experiences, we leave that up to the entrepreneur or the senior leaders in the organization to figure out how to handle those things.
1: That makes tons of sense to me. And my experience is if I had a 50-page manual no one's going to look at the darn thing anyhow, so I might as well not have it in the first place.
2: Right. <laughs> so. That's what you're, you're exactly right. And, you know, the funny part is it's impossible to even get your leadership team on the same page with what that 50-page document says because none of them have the time to even look at it and give you that approval that you need to go train all your people to follow it. And so it just gets stuck somewhere in the process. And so all this work happens and nothing changes in the organization. We want to avoid that whenever possible.
1: Well, cool. So let's move on to data. And again, this is one of those areas where people tend to look at data that is historical and not predictive. And I think you guys have a different way of looking at data, don't you?
2: Yes. A company that's strong in the data component is running the business on facts and figures, on objective information, rather than exclusively the subjective feelings, egos, and emotions that so often drive decision-making in an entrepreneurial company. And in many entrepreneurial organizations, not all, the leaders and sometimes leadership team are already looking at lots of historical data. So Income statements and balance sheets from the prior month or quarter, customer satisfaction surveys, for example. And what we try and do in an entrepreneurial organization running on EOS is we try and help the leaders add to that rear facing view some leading indicators, some predictors of what the financial results or the satisfaction results might be next month or next quarter. And to review that data on a weekly basis rather than monthly or quarterly to help the leadership team make stronger, faster, better decisions in advance of results occurring that are too late to do anything about.
1: That makes tons of sense to me. So is there any tricks or suggestions you would have to our listeners about what they might want to be doing with their data or what sort of predictive things they might want to look at?
2: It's uh, funny that you ask that because I've been around long enough to remember when the data problem for most organizations was there wasn't any. In the early days, most entrepreneurs were running their business almost exclusively by gut. And today, the first trick I'll give you is to quit burying yourself in data that doesn't lead to clearer, better, faster decisions. Less is more. Find a handful of leading indicators that'll give you at a high level an absolute pulse on your business week to week, and then look at those numbers weekly. When they're on track, move on, and when they're off track, then dig in more deeply to the detailed data to find what the root cause might be of that number being off track and react to that rather than swimming in data that doesn't really create any clear pictures for you.
1: I also know that you recommend that you keep this data on a 13-week rolling basis.
2: Why would you do that? We find that the ability to see patterns and trends in the data leads to more complete and faster decisions. That when you look at just one week of data as a snapshot or you look at too much data over a a too long a period of time, You're not getting the whole story fast enough. And so our leadership teams, when they can see 13 weeks of data at a glance, number by number down their scorecard, they're able to see whether they're on track or off track this week, how they've been trending the last few weeks, what the quarter's story is telling them, and they just seem to get to the right answer a little bit faster.
1: So I think we have about enough time to go over one more of your areas. And I'd like to delve into issues because we're going to do a couple more podcasts with you, and we'll be talking about people and your meeting pulse in other episodes. But I think this issues thing is a really important tool, and you have some really cool tools around that, don't you?
2: We do. And in fact, you know, one of the points I should make in this call, Josh, is that all six of these key components are interdependent. It's almost impossible to strengthen, for example, the process component without strengthening the data component. And when you strengthen those two components, you create issues. And so so what your listeners, I hope, are taking away is please work on strengthening all six of these key components because they work together to make your organization better. So with that lead in, I'll just say for us, issues are problems, challenges, obstacles or roadblocks, sort of the, the things that are slowing you down, ticking you off and holding you back. But they also are new ideas, new opportunities, key strategic partnerships, cool things you want to go do and you can't find the time or the energy to do them. And so that's an issue in an EOS company. And what we do with issues is we help compartmentalize them, we help make sure they're stored in the right place. And then when they are real priorities for the leadership team or some other team in the organization, We teach a tool or a discipline called IDS, which stands for identify, discuss, and solve, which really helps entrepreneurs and their leadership teams resolve issues for the long-term greater good rather than either mistakenly tackling symptoms and never really solving the root cause, or what I was so good at in my entrepreneurial career kind of wrapping duct tape and twine around everything and shoving it to the corner of my office, hoping it would go away on its own.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the screaming monkey syndrome.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so please don't blow up before we make payroll next week, right? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've,
1: I've seen that more than once in my life. That's right. You guys have written a bunch of books about what you do, and you have consultants that help people implement this system. And there's actually one more thing I want to talk about before we end today because I think this is really key. Is the role of the visionary and the role of the implementer and the difference between the two and the natural conflict that exists. Can you compl- can you first define what each is and then why is there this conflict that exists?
2: Yes, uh it's visionary and integrator. Oh, I'm and, sorry. Yep. And most entrepreneurial, a good number of entrepreneurial companies are founded by a visionary entrepreneur, somebody with an idea, a passion, an enthusiasm for, for a client or a particular kind of work. And most successful entrepreneurial organizations are grown to a point by that visionary entrepreneur and then they get stuck. And when they get stuck, often one of the root causes is that in order to lead an organization with 10 or 25 or 50 or 100 people in it, the tools and tricks one must use are different than the tools and tricks you need to grow a company from zero to 10 or 20 or 25 people. And so integrator is somebody who runs the day-to-day in a fast-moving entrepreneurial organization. With some number of people who need clarity and simplicity and accountability and occasionally require tough conversations. Those are visionaries and integrators. And generally, they couldn't be more different. And so, what we see in an entrepreneurial company where those two roles haven't been clearly defined, separated, and filled with people who are put on the planet to excel in those unique and distinct roles is two kinds of problems. The first is a visionary stuck in the integrator seat. And those are companies where the visionary is frustrated and the leadership team is exhausted because the visionary keeps coming to meetings with 90 ideas and we haven't even implemented one of the ideas from last week's meeting and so on. And so, so it can be chaotic in those organizations. And visionaries spend a lot of time in those companies doing stuff they don't love. And then the other kind of organizational problem created by the lack of a clear visionary and integrator is sometimes a company is started by two people, one of whom's a natural visionary, one of whom's a natural integrator. And because they don't clarify and separate their roles, you get this dynamic of co-running the company. And when two people are in charge of an organization without clarity around who makes the final decision, whose job is what, et cetera. You know, nobody's really clear about who's ultimately in charge. And in that situation, chaos and getting stuck can ensue as well. And so that's what Visionary Integrator helps resolve.
1: Oh, well, Peyton, we have just started to scratch the surface, and unfortunately, we're out of time. So if any of our listeners want more information or to learn more,
2: where would they go? I'd send them to our website, eosworldwide.com. That's where we warehouse all of our intellectual property, our tools, links to the books, everything you can learn to help implement EOS in your business. That's a great place to get started.
1: Cool. Thanks so much for your time, Peyton.
2: And we'll be talking very soon. Thank you, Josh. Thanks.
0: Thanks for listening to the Divestopedia Exit Strategy Podcast. Make sure to visit us at divestopedia.com to see more of our resources for entrepreneurs who want to sell their business for the best price in terms. If you have any questions on today's podcast, you can contact our host, Josh Patrick, at 802 846-1264 extension 2 or send an email to jpatrick at stage2solution.com. Until next time, this is Divestopedia Exit Strategy.